Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Wave Ministries. Visit thewavecolumbus.com for more information. Welcome to The Wave Podcast. I am Danny Ortiz. And I am Ryan McCarsky. Ryan, how are you doing, my friend? Danny, I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> Listen, I'm burning because what folks don't know is that we basically are uh, cooking, and I'm, I'm not afraid of saying we do we doing back to back weeks, and so we we you and I just want to run through like a wall because everything that God's <laughs> word says is just so powerful and active. It just makes you want to run. Oh my goodness! Like I was telling you this morning, we were up quite a bit before the sun. And honestly, it's, it's funny. It's not the coffee. I thought I need, it was, I thought it was the caffeine, but it's the word. And I can see, and I said to you jokingly, I'm like, did Jesus have coffee in Mark uh, 135? Was he, was he drinking some coffee? While, but, but it's the, it's the word, it's the presence. Like Danny, it, it's like, I didn't even need the coffee after we, after we did the first one or even in the middle of it, I was like, man, like just, oh, I'm alive. I guess that's the best way to put it. I'm, I'm alive because of, of what that, that experience was. We, we want to thank you uh, for listening. And Ryan, you're 100% correct. We want to thank everyone that takes time to do the Bible study with us on a weekly basis, Ryan. I know you and I are so grateful for so many listeners all over the world that listens to this. Um, and we want to thank you. But we want to stop right there. The word of God is alive. Mm-hmm. The word of God is alive. And my prayer for you, I just feel the presence of God, just the tenderness of the Holy Spirit. Because my prayer for you is that you hunger and thirst for that living word. Just what Ryan and I are experiencing, you can experience for yourself in your own room. You know, you know, we say it all the time. We 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 quote um Jesus as he shows his disciples prayer. We quote it all the time. Go into your secret place where your father is there waiting for you to what? To let his word become alive. What we talked about last in last week's podcast, that the spirit of the Lord is the one that breathes within your heart, that the spirit of God is the one that is leading you to this truth. So acquaint yourself with the Holy Spirit so that he can bring that word to be alive. Ryan is alive today, right now. Amen. And, and just as an encouragement, you can have, you individually can have that, that relationship. You individually can have that experience. You don't have to have some, try to have someone else's experience through hearing them speak. That can lead you into the word. That's great. And lead you into the scripture, but we miss it where it's like, well, we just listened. But if we're talking, like go into the scripture yourself after you heard it from someone, and that's where you're going to get that experience. That's where you're going to foster and build that relationship. It's not by just listening. Now, you know, by hearing and hearing the word of God, that's important. Absolutely. But then you need to dive in yourself. You need to dive in yourself. And you and I were talking about this, that we listen, we re-listen to these things, not because we go, oh, I want to hear my voice. Because there's so much that the Holy Spirit says throughout these recordings that we like, I want to go capture what God is saying. You know, I want to go really hear. What, so we re-listen to this stuff ourselves because we want more. And, and if you if you hear something that you listen to over and over and then 
go read it again over and over, right? I will read a scripture over. People say, well, how do you study? I read and read and read. I can read literally, we're going to talk about Revelations 116. I read that hundreds of times, not just they say, oh, I did it. No, I just want to get the essence of what God is saying in this piece of word and, and, mm -hmm. and what he's, what because this is his voice. This is his voice on, on paper, you know what I mean? And I want yep. to get that. Um, I want to, I, I, before we go into Revelations 116, I want to say, that we are in the week of Passover this week. And for, and for those who are a Jewish audience, Jewish listeners, um, I have great news, Ryan, that you don't know of, and I'm gonna drop it right now. All right. We're, we are working on, we're gonna relaunch season two of Holy Talk with a good theologian in Israel, a, a theologian, he's a theologian. He is the director of, um, a Christian and Jewish relationship, the oldest Christian and Jewish relationship organization in Israel, the rabbi that started all of it. He is the director of, of this movement. His name is David Nekrutman. David Nekrutman is a theologian, a Jewish theologian that not only lives in Israel, but also graduated from Oral Roberts University. So he understands both sides of it. And so we're going to relaunch Holy Talk podcast season two with him. And we're excited about that coming up in, uh, next month. So that's going to be the exciting. So I know that you will be excited about oh, that. Oh, man, I am. I, I, I can just always say I'm, I'm a huge Holy Talk fan. If you if any of the, if any of the, the listeners have not listened to Holy Talk, I will tell you when when Danny and I met and he's like, Ryan, you know, um, you know, we talked about the way, but he's like, you got to check out. He goes, not just because like not because of me, but you really like if you want to understand both perspectives, you got to listen to Holy Talk. And my wife, Amber, is going to be so excited because she loves hearing us. But Holy Talk probably is like her favorite <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so I Holy Talk. Hearing, I think she just likes hearing you, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> no, stop it. Holy Talk is just <laughs> what it is is basically a Jewish and Christian perspective coming from both sides and learning from one another. And that's why as many listeners listen to us, um, you know, I think Pastor Peter is always telling me, Danny, I love that you always mention the Old Testament, right? Because I'm yeah. always talking about the Old Testament because I believe uh, it is the it is the, the foundation of who we are. So this week we we join our brethren in, in Passover started this last Saturday, 27th, and it goes on for eight days. And so, um, what they do is just read Exodus. What they do is read how how God brought them out of Egypt and and how you know basically what it is. He passed them over and and and, and they read all the plagues and because because the, the blood that was put on their doors they were not they were not killed right and so um, the firstborn. So that's one that that you can you know we want to we want to talk about that a little bit and in, in, in the sense of just recognizing where our Jewish brethren that yes. Thank God that God brought Israel out of Egypt because we would not talk about Jesus or any of it without that. And so all of it goes with one another. And then another thing that's happening this weekend that we would not even talk about the whole book of Revelation unless we understand what we read in the last week's podcast, which is Matthew 28. We're coming to, I don't like to call it Easter Sunday. And I know people think that that's a religious thing of me. It's just not. I just... I recognize it for what it is, is Resurrection Sunday, right? Is the yep. reason why our faith is what it is. Is the reason that we as believers believe in a living savior because what? 
he didn't stay in the tomb, right? And listen to, uh, uh, I know we read it before, but I'm going to read it again, Matthew 28. I'm going to read, uh, I'm just going to read one through, through six real quick. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day, so the first day of the month is Sunday. So the first day of the month is Sunday. And this is why we celebrate things on Sunday, because uh, in the Jewish calendar, the first day of the month, uh, the first day of uh, the first day of the week is on Sunday. It's not on Monday. So it's on Sunday. So this is all about Sunday. In the beginning of dawn, Mary Magdalene. So as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb and behold, there was a great earthquake and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and, and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. And his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has, he is risen. He is risen. And as he said, come and see the place where the Lord laid. He is risen. He is risen. He's not here anymore. He is risen. The resurrection is why we as Christians, believers, believe in this whole book. Without the resurrection, we would not believe in the whole book. We believe in the whole book because of what this happened, this coming Sunday was going to, what we, what we, I want you to take time. Listen, I know so many people don't go to places. If you don't go to a place, if you go to a place, amen, with brethren, if you don't go to a place, do it in your home, do it with your friends, get on a Zoom, get with a group of people, even if it's your own family, and read this. Why? Because just like the Jews are reading this week, uh, the plagues, and they're reading the Passover story, they do it to remind themselves that God brought them. It's the greatest, one of the greatest holidays that Jewish people have, because they remind themselves every year that God brought them out of Egypt and then took them to the promised land. For us as believers, as we come through this year, every year, in this part of the year, right? This spring, right? As we go into the resurrection Sunday, it's not just like, oh, we celebrated another day. No, we remind ourselves that our very faith lies on this one day because Muhammad is dead, Buddha is dead, Harry Krishna is dead, but Jesus Christ is alive. Oh, Danny, that's so powerful. And I love when you're talking about this remembrance because that, that I mean, that's why we, we have the scriptures like it's written down. We can go back to it over and over and over. And some, some this is the pivotal time of year where, and I'll just say this, most of my life I was, I went to church on Christmas and Easter. I mean, I'll just be honest, like that was me, right? And and even then, I was reminded every year of what happened. And that probably has led me into where I'm at today. And and the truth is, every year at this time, like you said, we can remember that pivotal, important day that represents our faith. We wouldn't have John talking to Yeshua and Yeshua talking to John and revealing who he is without this day. And so I don't want it to just 
don't act like it's another day, right? And, and then don't honor it for the festivities, right? Don't yep. honor it because you're gonna get, you know, eggs and chocolate and, <laughs> and you know what I mean? And I get to just hang out with my family. No, this, this should be a, a somber moment in understanding that our risen savior is alive. Mm. And he's sitting at the right-hand side of the father. And what makes everything that he says real was that on the third day, he was risen, right? And then John is speaking to that risen savior, right? In John 1.16. So let's go to John 1.16, uh, John, Revelations 1.16. Mm. Man, yep. I'm, so, I'm so consumed with John, which is John speaking. <laughs> Revelations 1.16. Uh, and we're going to open up this, man. And uh, I hope that you're enjoying this as much as Ryan. Ryan and I just, we're tickled, man, with what God is doing. We really are, man. <laughs> with every, every time we get into Revelation, we just want to just, just jump up for joy. And so Revelation 1.16 says, And his right hand he held, again, I can't, I can't just, what we said in 15 was so powerful. The, 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 living, the living waters, the rivers of living waters, that's just, just powerful. But anyway, I, I gotta, gotta move on. His <laughs> right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Now, on his right hand, he held the seven stars. We're going to talk about the seven stars um, between verse 17 and 20 because he gives you the answer of the seven stars. Like Jesus himself reveals what that is. So I, I don't have to come up with it. Jesus literally tells you what the seven stars. So I want to focus, Ryan, on mm -hmm. from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. Now, I love the two-edged sword metaphor because a sword is made one of two ways. It is sharped on one side or it's sharpened on, uh, sharpened on both sides. Here, right. what is saying that the word that comes out of his mouth, which we know we have the written letters. We know that in the beginning it was, it was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, right? And we know that Jesus is the embodiment of the word, right? And see, we know when we read, we read from that, but it has two edges that are sharpened on both sides so that no matter what side it hits, it actually is gonna do what it's meant to do, right? So yep. it's, it's gonna accomplish what is, the word of God will accomplish what it's meant to do. That's what the word says. And so here in Ephesians 6, 17, it says, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, right? In Hebrews 4, 12 says, for the word of God, and I'm going to stop right there because I knew you was going there and I want to hear what you have to say. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, soul and spirit. It divides, it conquers of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, meaning there are thoughts of the heart and there are also intentions of the heart, both of them. And that sharp two-edged sword is powerful enough to go deep enough and to take care of everything that it needs to take care of in us. No, Danny, that's that's so good. But before I, I mentioned about uh, Hebrews 4.12, that, that Ephesians 6, I wrote that down because it's like, words that we speak are are so powerful and they can and and his word is obviously above above all and it's it's this the way we speak Come can on. do so can do so many things and when you're talking about hebrews 
412 that it this is it, it's living it, it's powerful because he he is the word but the words that he speaks have so much weight to them in in, a, in the best in the best of ways like if you if you even think about like if you know you've heard from the lord and he spoke it to you those words are have hold the heaviest weight of any words you're ever going to hear in your entire life that is the scripture that he breathed it into men and they wrote it down which means he literally said it to them breathed it into them and then they put it down on paper these the scripture it, those are the most powerful words you will ever encounter other than the Lord speaking directly into your ear. Think about what we talked about last week, Ryan, the refining fire, that the Holy yep. Spirit refines us. So it's it, it, there's a two sides to how we refine. The Holy Spirit is empowering what? He's empowering the word of God, right? He's empowering that, that word so that not only so that he can do something in you, but you said something powerful earlier, so that when you speak it, right? So when you, Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Yep. What? Meaning that you can literally speak life, right? And so we know that every time Jesus speaks is life, right? Yep. And there's abundant life in him. He's saying, now, I'm going to use the Holy Spirit and the word to refine you. I'm going to cut some things out of you, right? Mm, and I yeah. love that it says it goes so sharp that it, it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, right? That word of God knows exactly what's in you and knows yeah. exactly what needs to be filleted out of you. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah. It, 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 it's, uh, they used, to, they, they, in the Old Testament, they talk about a flint knife, right? A flint knife is what they used to cut the foreskin when they did circumcision, Right. And before they can go into the promised land, the word says that Joshua had to cut each adult, right? Why? Uh, because he was purifying them before they could partake of everything, right? There was a yep. there was a purity that came with it, right? So that word is sharp. It's cutting all these impurities out of us, right? Uh, Revelation yep. 19, 5, 15, 19, Revelation 19, says, from his mouth comes a sharp sword who wished to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he would th thread like a wine press of the fury of the wrath of God and Almighty. So his words are so powerful, he can bring life, but he can bring nations down with it too, right? Yep. It's a two-edged sword, right? <coughs> life and death in the power of the tongue. And he knows how to use it. One thing I love about God is that he knows how to use it. He knows how to use his word to get the best out of us. And we have Amen. to fall in love with the what comes out of the mouth of God. We got to come out. When it comes out of Jesus, believe me, it's coming from the Father, right? Because he said, I will only say what the Father tells me to say in John 14. Yep. I'm, I'm going to repeat yep. that again. Yep. When Jesus speaks, he speaks from the Father. So when he's speaking to us, he's speaking directly from the Father as a representative of the Father, as a representative, what? To bring change within who we are, Right? Yeah, that's why you can you can truly bank on, I mean, obviously the whole scripture, but the red letters, like you read the red letters, you are hearing from God, you, you are hearing from God. And, and if you, you look at that, you're like, wow, that's what the Lord is saying. That that's, that's powerful in itself. You, you could just sit there and say, the Lord said that, like he, 
he's he's speaking it right from the father and that is what the father wants for me that's what he's called me to do that's how he's trying to help me i love that you said the red letters if we live on that alone we good like literally if you just <laughs> if you don't get no other part of the word and just get the red letters you are totally fine and listen <laughs> to what listen to what listen to the way that john is describing this he said and his face was like the sun shining now we talked about a little bit about the light uh um last week but i want to hit isaiah 60 19 to 20 because this is something that this is one his his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Now, when now I want to, I want to understand that he said full strength, right? He took it to another level. What he said, he said his face was like the sun shining in full. When the sun shines in full strength, all of the earth is lit is lit up. Like that's what happens. Yes. Right. Yes. So, yep. so his face is like. Listen, what Isaiah sixty. This is one. This is one part of scripture that I I'm gonna be honest with you, right? I don't fully understand it. But okay. when I read it, yeah. it makes sense of what John is saying. It says, Isaiah 60, 19, 20. Your light by day, no, for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your God will be your glory. And your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon shall withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days and your mornings. And so now it's talking here in Isaiah 60, uh, not only a right chapter of the light has come, it's, it's literally talking about the, the fullness of when he comes, when he comes in Revelations 21. But it says yep. that the earth will be lit up by him. Uh. Now that to me is overwhelming to think about. Like those are one of the scriptures that you just run into and you go, Okay, how is this gonna work? How is <laughs> how how is the sun that is up there that he put up there? That's not gonna be where we get our light source. We're gonna get our light source from him. That makes my brain hurt so much because it blows my mind. <laughs> no, seriously, like I'm as we're doing this, recording this podcast, the sun's coming up behind me. I'm sitting in my car and I'm just processing how much light the sun provides for this globe and then i'm 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 trying to picture in new jerusalem jesus on the throne and the magnified light coming out of that throne i yeah my brain it feels like it, it is like oozing i can't i just can't like the neurons are firing so much and i'm like i this is one of those that we have to, when I, when we meet with the Lord, <laughs> Lord, what did that mean? <laughs> you mean? And, and we're going to experience it. So think about it. We're going to experience yeah. it, right? And so I, I don't, I looked at Acts 26, 12. So Acts 9 is, is Saul of Tarsus having this encounter, but he, yeah. he's explaining it. He's giving his testimony of that encounter in Acts 26. And look oh. what Paul says about his encounter, because I think it's gonna be like that. Like, remember, he was blinded. Like, he yep. it was so much, he, he got blind. So he, he's he's talking about this encounter, and I'm like, uh, that is that gonna be us? Because like this this light is so much. I mean, here John is seeing this face and going, it, it I see Jesus in the fullness of his light. I uh, so in the Mount of Transfiguration, 
right? According to Matthew 17, he only saw a little bit. Here he's yep. seen in his fullness, right? So it's overwhelming. And, and we're going to get to how he responds to this because he responds exactly the way Paul responds, right? And so in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus. He's Paul talking with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven. Brighter, brighter, listen to what he's saying, is brighter than the sun. So Paul is describing Jesus as being brighter that shone around me and those who journeyed with me and we had all fallen to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me. So here he's talking about the voice and the light. Just like John is talking about the voice and the light. Here, saw like I can't picture Saul riding a horse and going, okay. And he sees a light that's brighter than the sun. Like Jesus is brighter than the sun. And oh, he falls to the ground and they all fall. But he is blinded for literally three days. He's also blinded just like Jesus went. And it's, it's so much uh, significance to that blinded three days for him, right? Because I believe Jesus is going down to, and taking some stuff out of Paul and resurrecting yep. him, right? So that he can yep. see anew because he was killing Christians and he, they thought he was doing it in God's name. And so here he has this encounter with this light. That, to me, just blows my mind. Oh, no, just just like reading it the way when you read it and then just trying to even picture it. It's almost like when you see lightning strike the ground. Obviously, and in, in, in this explains in even a more magnified fashion. It's like if you were sitting there in the dark and instead of the sun rising really slowly, it literally just appeared as if you turned on the light. I'm picturing like when my son's waking up for a nap and it's dark in his room and I turn on the light and he kind of like flips around in his bed. Like what happened? I feel like that on like a monumental scale, you're just riding along and this light hits you where you almost felt the power to where it knocked him off the horse. Like you were like that. tangibly, like not just that it was so bright, but it just like hit you like this force and was like stunned you for a second there. And think about this. This is, this is the sobering part of that, what you're saying. That is so powerful, we can't even comprehend it. But then yet, he wants to have a relationship with us. <laughs> what? Like, I, that blows my, so much power, so much radiant. And you want to live within me? That's why, that's why Paul said, right, in Galatians, what is the mystery? The, uh, not Galatians, Colossians, uh, uh, forgive me, Colossians 1. He says, the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. How could this hope of glory, Jesus, be living in this nasty mortal body because he's so much you can't contain him, right? And so he only gives you as much as you can handle him, right? And here, yeah. like we're gonna see, and, and, and I love the next verse 17 because it's like, that's that would be our response to this, right? When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. <laughs> yeah. Like, I understand you, John. Like John knows Jesus. Like this is not someone that he doesn't know. Right. This is someone that he literally spent a lot of. This is his best friend on earth. Even his yep. best friend on earth was like, yo, this is so this is too much for me. I'm going to fall like I'm, I'm not even alive. Just act like I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh man. And it's like, it, it just, it shows honestly. And, and, and just trying to put myself in John's shoes. It shows the reverence that he really has for, for the Lord. Yes. Like that was his best friend, but I think he just, he knows, he knows who Jesus is. And now he's basically showing it. He's, he's showing, and, and I wrote down Psalm, Psalm 95, verse six. Oh, let us worship and bow down before the Lord, our maker. And I feel like John realized in that moment, yes, this is Jesus that I walk with. This is my best friend, but he is my maker. Mm. That's just a, oh. He, he understands the fullness of the gravity of the situation. He's like, yep. I am standing before the almighty that was and will always be. He's, his throne is everlasting, right? Yep. It, it, and, and, and I love that he fell down, because you're right, it should lead us to worship, right? This always should yep. lead us, like really seeing the revealing of Jesus should lead us to worship. I want to give an Old Testament version of this and a New Testament version of it. Genesis 17, one through four. So, so we've seen man, so this is this is our father, Father Abraham. This is the lineage of Ye Yeshua, right? And so this is before Abraham became Abraham and he's Abram, right? And yep. when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me, be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God <laughs> said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of he, let's, the sound of who he was, the, the utterance of this God introducing himself to Abram. The only response was, I'm gonna fall down and I, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening, but I know that there's a difference between, and this is what you're saying, right? John saw the difference between him and Jesus, right? There's a yep. difference. Abram understood at this moment. There's a difference between me and you, right? I'm for the a mere men. You are immortal. Yep. Indisputable. You're oh, too man. big. I can't even comprehend what's happening. And so to see that that, that what John was experienced, Abraham. Abraham also experienced because he's like, I'm introduced to this great, great God, right? And that should be the wonder that we should live in. That should be the awe that we should walk in. Um, in Luke 5, 12 and 13, it says, while, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when uh, he saw Jesus, I want just when he saw, John is seeing Jesus. And he falls dead. Abraham is seeing God. He falls dead. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him. He fell when you see Jesus. Now, I don't believe he saw Jesus like, oh, I see Jesus. No, no, right. no. He saw this leopard saw his answer. This leopard yep. saw his salvation. This leopard saw the one that was going to rescue him out of his living hell. Right, because he's living ostracized. He's living 
ridiculed. He's living away from everybody, right? Because of this plague that's on him. When he saw Yeshua, he just didn't see another man. He saw Yeshua, right? John saw Yeshua for all his splendor. That should, that should do something inside of you. Go, I want to see Yeshua in all his splendor. I, that, should, that should leap inside of you like a baby, right? That says, oh, yes, I want to see him like that. And that, and what you're explaining, Danny, and Abram, like Abram in, in Genesis, that changed his life. This leper, yes, was he healed? Yes, but the encounter changed his life. When, when each of us, because I know you've had a powerful experiences, I've had powerful experiences. It 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 changes your life i i try to i try to always remember back to before that experience with the lord and how i looked at life and it's like i wasn't even living these these men when they had the encounter life was life was standing in front of them jesus and then life was imparted into them and upon them and they 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 did not there's no way they lived their life the same. You would have to, anyone that has had that experience, they would have to completely just walk away because there's no way you can forget it. And any, any of our listeners, they, they've probably had that, every one of their, our listeners probably had that experience. You're never going to forget it. You, you'll go, you can go back to it in an instant. The Lord will bring you back to that, to that remembrance of it. And Saul was never the same. Saul became Paul, right? He became one of the greatest um, translation of heaven that we've ever seen. Yeah. Paul literally, uh, as you study Paul in theory, he's walking out revelations of heaven that earth has never seen. That's how powerful this encounter is. Like, He doesn't even have to quote anybody else because he's such in tune with Jesus that he's living out Jesus that when we read some of the stuff that we read today of Paul, it's like in Ephesians 2, I I am, oh, I am a a keen son and I I am sonship. Oh, okay. Oh, to to Galatians. Oh, I don't have to drink of the milk. Some of the stuff that Paul is saying to the churches is like, what, Paul, where, where do you get this from? (laughs) <laughs> he encountered Jesus and he's living out Jesus. And I, I think, and I think you bring up a great point about Paul, which I love to read about Paul and read his words because we look at Jesus and Jesus is the perfect God man. And we look at ourselves and we're like, no way. But then you see Paul. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, Paul was not Jesus. He is a man, 100% man, which we know Jesus is the perfect God, man. We know that, but it's almost sometimes that look at Paul. Look at how he lived. He lived as close to how Jesus lived than anyone ever. Mm. And that that speaks power. That like That's very powerful to go from who he was and then when he met the Lord and who he became is the biggest transformational process that, that we can read about. 
and if it's available for him, it's available for us. Yes. Yeah. Right. So that's why we want to experience him more. That's why we cry out in our prayer time and in our worship time. Jesus, I want more of you. Why? Because I want to experience you to the level that I'm never the same. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it, yep. And you you go from glory to glory, faith to faith. Right. Those encounters with the Lord. It's just more. There's more. Absolutely. Why I love how big he's seeing Jesus right now in this moment. He has to fall in dead. Is because he understands there's more. There's always more of him. There's always more of him, right? And so let's continue yep. reading. I'm going to read yep. just straight through 20. Sure. I, I may, I must, I must, it says, but then he said, uh, he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last. And the living, I died and behold, I am alive forever. Remember, we talked about resurrection, <laughs> right? Yep. It's not coincidence that we're talking about the resurrection. It's Resurrection Sunday coming up and we're talking about this. Listen to what he says. I died and behold, I'm alive for him. And I have the keys of death and Hades. I want to stop right there. Before the resurrection, there's a what? A crucifixion, right? You can't have a resurrection unless it's a crucifixion, right? How did Jesus conquer death? How did Jesus conquer Hades? Because what he did on the cross. I just want to take a moment. We have to all come and climb one hill. It's the, the hill called Gotha. It's the hill where the cross was uh, placed, and it's really, uh, I, I would just wish you guys went to Israel, because it's, it's really, you can see the hill from, a, from, from, from all kinds of places, but there are places that are also higher than this hill, right? Yep. And so it, it's, it's, uh, you can see where the cross was at, and you can see what they saw when you were in Israel, and it's just majesty, because you're like, oh, everyone saw him, right? Everyone saw him on that cross. Everyone saw that he died, right? So that what? So he could take upon our sin. So that what? So so death and Hades has no more control over you as a human because he's now holding the keys to it. He is now the mm -hmm. victor. And he's because he's now the victor, you're the victor. Amen? Amen. Yes. Right there before the things that you have seen, write, write, write it down. We talked about that. Write yep. it down. Therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this, as of the mystery of the seven stars, and this is where we're gonna land. Remember, we talked about the seven stars, we talked about the seven stars that you saw in my right hand in the seven golden lampstand. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So now the stars are the angels. Now we know the angels are the representatives, the pastors, those leaders of the apostles, those who represent those churches, right? Yep. We will see him more as apostles than anything else, right? He's saying that he holds those in his hands. And then he says, the seven uh, lampstands are the seven churches. One of the things that I got about this, and Ryan, and I want to hear your thought is that sure. Jesus is with us. He's with mm -hmm. the leadership and he's with the ecclesia. He's with the leadership of the ecclesia and he's with the ecclesia. And I think a lot of times we're trying to tell Jesus how to, they, listen, leaders are fallen leaders. We know men is men, men is fallen. We, we, we frail, right? And I think a lot of times we, we, we are telling God, God, you know, raise this person up. Don't raise this person up. I don't like the way this person is or this person's too much for me. And it's like, no, no, no. 
Jesus is like, I have leadership in my hand and I have you, the church, ecclesia in my I'm with you. I'm always with you. I, I have you. I'm in the midst of who you are. No, that's, what, that's exactly what I was going to say, that he's in the midst of, of each of us. And I feel that we, we as individuals need to understand what piece of the puzzle that we are. He has raised up leaders in the church that he has in, their, has in his hand. And he has specific things that those leaders need to hear from him so that they can oversee the flock that has been put in those leaders' hands. And us as the ecclesia individuals, we need to understand, well, Lord, okay, I'm not a leader of a church. So where do I fit in this body and let me walk out my puzzle piece? And I ask the Lord about that all the time. Lord, I say, Lord, like, let, don't let me walk out of alignment. I know that I'm not ahead of a church and that's like, that's fine. Um, but where, where does my puzzle piece fit in the big picture? And let me walk that out because I know my brother, Danny, he has something specific for him and he is a puzzle piece that makes up part of the big picture. And I think if we each, and this stems back to something we've talked about in the past, if we understand our identity, we, we crush that comparison culture and we say, Lord, like wherever you have me, I'm content. I'm happy with that. And I can be my puzzle piece. And if everyone did that, there would be revival. There would Come be on. power. And we, we pray for revival and we want revival, but we really, there's other steps before revival, major parts being identity, major parts figuring out where do I fit? Cause we're all, we're all in Jesus's hands. And it just depends on where we fit. And then once we figure it out as a team, as a body, then revival will break out because we're not concerned about the person next to us. We are only concerned about how do we live out what the Lord has put um, on our life. I'm going to say it this way. And I'm agreeing with you by saying this. It's not as much as where we fit is that if I'm in him, He'll fit me where he needs to fit me. Oh, that's good. Yep. Right. I'm my, my concern has nothing to do with what he wants to do with me. My concern is that I'm with him. Mm -hmm. Right. Whatever he wants to do with me, he can do. It doesn't even matter if it's not even what I think, what I don't think. I just want to be with him. And I want to know that he's with me. I yep. want to know that he's always continuing. And I think John is it living in this beautiful symphony of oneness with Jesus that he's like, listen, this is amazing that you're showing me all this, but really in the end of all of it, I want you, right? Because remember, John represents all these churches. He's the apostle that started all these churches, right? So he knows the churches and, and the confidence of Jesus is John, I'm, I got you, I'm with you, right? I'm gonna talk to you about some things that I, I see I mean, so, so, so think about this. It's the assurance of the father before the father goes, all right, there's some correction that needs to happen, right? This is the, yep. be this is the best way to me uh, how, how even how to parent, right? Because it's not, hey, you did something wrong. No, he shows his love and then 
correction comes, right? He shows yep. John, John, I, I need to assure you that everything I'm about to tell you from here on about the seven churches has no direct impact on how I feel about you, right? Yep. I'm just trying to get everyone closer to me, right? Mm -hmm. And yep. so don't take offense to this, John, because I got you. <laughs> I'm with yep. you. I love you. Don't church, ecclesia, don't get offense. I'm not, if I take your lampstand away, doesn't mean that you're not my children. It means that I still love you, but I got to correct you also. It means that I can't, I can't have you misrepresent me. So there's still more maturing that has to do, but know that I'm with you. The key that I believe that Jesus is wanting John to understand is the longevity of intimacy and that he has with, with him. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. No, absolutely. I love, I love that. Starting with love and then applying correction because you love, you love your daughters. I love my son. And, but at times there needs to be some course correction in order to then realign your path. And I think that's what Jesus is doing. I saying how much he loves us, but Hey, there's some things we can correct because then you will be in the alignment that I'm calling you into. Cause when we get into the, the Ephesus church next week, which you and I can't wait to get oh, into. Yeah. Right? Uh, oh yeah. Right. That's so much <laughs> in it. Yeah. The correction is for intimacy, right? The yeah. correction is for intimacy. And so I want to land at this here. I'm going to give several scriptures. Joshua one, nine. Oh, yes. Joshua one, nine. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Why? Why? Why don't be afraid? Why do we, for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go, right? Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous hand, right? Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord, your God, that's, who goes with you. Sephaniah. Some, some folks don't even know that's a, the book in the Bible, but it's in the Bible, Sephaniah <laughs> 317. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. This is what he's telling John. I rejoice. I'm in your midst. I rejoice over you with gladness. Whoo. He will quiet you by his love, Sephaniah says and will exhort over you with loud singing. What? Matthew 28, 20, teacher, teaching them to observe all things that I command you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of age. And this is where I want to land. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Oh, well, his promises are there. Mm. I love Sephaniah. I'm in your midst, God says. I'm here. I'm the one who's mighty. I'm the one who's mighty to save. I'm with you. If you get anything out of what we, the whole chapter one, I, I'm going to give my closing remarks and I'm going to hear yours too, Ron. My closing remark is that this great God has represented, 
sending himself in this great son and has manifested himself in his great Holy Spirit. And he's desiring to be one with you and to be with you and to join in communion with you because he created you out of himself to be himself. Oh, I'm gonna say that again. He created you out of himself to be his self, to be one with you, to be one with himself. And he's ending the book. He's telling you in the beginning of the book, all of heaven is revealing Jesus. And I'm revealing Jesus. And he's ending the chapter by saying, I'm revealing him so that we can be one and I can be one with you. No, Danny, you, you, uh, you hit on it so well. And I, I think it, it all comes back to John 17, three. I, I want to know you. I, I want, I want to know you. And this unveiling, we're unveiling this mystery that's gone on from the beginning of time. And Jesus says, here I am. I want to know you. And that's it. You, you mentioned oneness, sonship. Think about those words, oneness, to be one, sonship, to be, to be a son. That is all in knowing. That is all in relationship. It is very relational language. And Jesus wants this. This is why we're, we were created. If, if he was happy by himself, People wouldn't have been created, but he wanted relationship. He wanted a family. Come on. He wants it. He wants an eternal family. If we can get back and we talk about it all the time, love garden living. I, I always try to just look back at when the original framework was created, how beautiful it was, how relational, how happy it was. And we're, we're getting back to that. That's what we're going full circle. Come on. And the Come circle on. is almost completed. We don't know that we know we don't know the time, but it's feeling like it's getting pretty complete. Let's pretty just say. Pretty darn close. Pretty yes. darn close. Yeah. Oh man, this is such a, uh, I'm so, I'm so full right now. Um, I mm. pray you guys are getting full um, and we can't wait to do this again next week. Uh, we love you guys, and uh, we'll we'll do this again, Ryan. Thank thanks so much, man. This is Amen. So, um, again, I, I just want to run around. That's how excited I am about this. <laughs> so uh, we'll talk Same. to you next week. Blessings. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wave Ministries. Visit thewavecolumbus.com for more information.